Welcome to the road to growth, success of an entrepreneur. We've raised the bar. Learn firsthand from successful business owners and create your own path to success. I'm going to show you how great I am. It's time to hit the road to growth with team lead of the Enriquez Group, Realtor Vinny. Today I have Matt Ramuzzi. Oh my God. Third time to charm. That's how it is. Everything you do. Third time to charm. All right. Yep. Got it right. He, he is the founder of uh, uh, Cap Forge. Mm-hmm. My gosh, man, crushing it! All right, so uh, so bookkeeping. I mean, I know it's more intensive than that, but this is a question I've started to ask a little more. If you were an elevator, what's your elevator pitch? I mean, how would you describe yourself and your company? Yeah, so CapForge is a bookkeeping firm that's a little bit different than most. Um, we're, we're really focused on customer service. Your typical accountant is not, you know, they're good with numbers, but they're not super people oriented, right? They're not great at getting back to you. Something we hear all the time is, oh, I emailed my bookkeeper three, four times. It took them a month to get back to me. And then when they did, you know, they, the answer that wasn't even what I asked, right? So we're very customer service oriented, reactionary to your inquiries. We get back to people right away. Another thing that's different about us is we just do fixed flat rate prices, right? We're none of that hourly nonsense where the clock starts running. You never know when it's going to stop, right? I want to tell you exactly what it's going to cost before you start with us. So you can decide right up front before you pay it a dime. Does that sound like a fair price? Does that work for me? If it does, great. If not, no problem. But there's nothing hidden about it. No, no hidden fees, no running clock or whatever else. And then third, we just do a really good job. I mean, how often have you talked to a small business owner who said, you know, my books are kind of a mess. I don't trust my numbers. They're way behind. You know, I don't think that's right. It happens all the time. Bookkeepers, you know, there's no license required to call yourself a bookkeeper. You don't have to pass any exam. Um, so there's a lot of less than great work out there. So for us, you know, accuracy and doing a good job, getting it right for the owners that we work with is key. So we're customer service oriented, transparent, flat rate pricing, and, you know, super professional, high quality standards for getting accurate books done on time. It, it doesn't sound like a high bar, but <laughs> really it is getting it, getting it right is huge in this industry. Cause there's so many people that just don't even meet those what you would think are basic criteria how do you um do you put together a, a flat price like i mean because I'm, I'm guessing some clients are going to be easier than others some have their stuff sure. together some you I mean it's like okay i put it on a napkin right <laughs> how, how, how do you uh work with that variant giving them a flat price before do you are you assessing it beforehand like to kind of understand or how's that work? right Right. So it's a fixed flat rate, but it's not the same rate for everybody. Right. So we'll we'll talk to you and find out how does your business work? Right. How many bank accounts do you have? How many credit cards do you invoice clients or do you get paid direct? You know, what's your business model? And then based on that, we'll say, okay, in order to get the books done accurately every month for you, it'll be, you know, you're you're at our minimum with $199 a month, or you're a more complicated client, you're $250 a month or $345 or whatever the number is, but then that's what it is. So, you know, it's not going to be 300 this month and 800 the next month. And then we miss a month and then you come back and, you know, it's we'll review what you have going on and give you a price for your business. So if you've got a simple business that doesn't have a lot of uh, activity, you're going to pay a low price. Even if you have sales of $10 million a year, if you're selling 10 products that are a million bucks a piece, you know, once a month you have a sale and a few other expenses and that's it 
you're at our minimum. I don't look at you and say, oh, well, you clearly could pay more. So I'm going to charge you a higher price, right? Like happens to us, like, well, you know, right? If you, if you live in certain neighborhoods, when you want to get something, some work done, right? The contractor comes out and goes, oh, look what zip code I'm in. And the price goes up or down depending on what zip code you're in, right? Not depending on how hard the job is. So what we do is we just look at what's the job. And I'll give you the same quote, whether you're making a million dollars or whether you're, you know, making a thousand dollars. So my next question is, how do you, or how often do you have to change the price? Let's say growing business, they're doing better, you know, they're expanding more bank accounts, whatever it might be. Is it assessed on a monthly basis, a yearly basis, or how does that work? Yeah, I mean, we kind of look at what's happening every month with your business, right? We want to be pretty yeah. involved in how your business is doing and what's going on. So if you decide, you know, things are going well, but you're going to open a second office. And so you're going to have a second bank account, a second credit card account, uh, another merchant account, you're going to have a couple more employees, right? Then at that point, yeah, it probably is going to jump up to reflect the fact you've got more going on. But by the same token, if you start at like some, I just was talking to a guy this morning, he's coming to us, he's got 14 credit cards, right? He's been playing the credit card, zero interest balance transfer game. He's got 14 credit cards. So that's going to take a fair amount of time for us to get all that together. But he's going to cut down over the next couple of months to just using two. So his price is going to go down. So it works both ways, right? If you add complication to your business, hopefully it's because you're doing better. There's more revenue coming in and the price may go up a little bit. If you simplify your business and cut back, it's going to come back down. We had a lot of clients during COVID last year where things got rough. We cut their price way back because they weren't doing as much. They didn't have payroll for six months or they, you know, stopped having any checks to cash or whatever. So we, we scaled back to keep them, you know, at the minimum sort of survival level. And then as things came back for them, we scaled back up. So customer service, I mean, like you talked about, is something very unique to, I guess, or not unique, but I mean, I think, uh, like you said, it's uh, sometimes it's people leave, I mean, make it a desirable factor, right? I'm not actually having it. So customer service for yourself, was that something that you grew up with? Were you in the hospitality industry or, or where did that, that idea come from? Yeah. I mean, in my very early days, I started out um, as a restaurant manager. I went to UCSD, okay. got a degree in psychology. And so as soon as I got out of college, I immediately had to go to work in a restaurant because what am I going to do with a psych degree? <laughs> I didn't really want to be a psychologist. I didn't know what I want to do. So I went to work in restaurants, um, which is what I'd done in college as a waiter and before college. Uh, in high school. So I knew restaurants pretty well. And and there, you know, obviously customer service is key, right? You, if you're a waiter, you want to give good customer service so you can maximize your tips. If you're managing a restaurant, right, you're, you want to keep your revenue up. You want to keep your regulars coming back. Customer service is the name of the game. So it was sort of shocking to me going into other industries, getting involved in business in other ways to see how little attention people paid to customer service and really trying to give that wow experience and really having people say, you know, at the end of working with you, man, I'm so glad I met you. I'd love to tell my friends about you. You know, I, I have some other people you could probably help. Like, that's what it's all about. But so many people, especially in accounting, I don't mean to pick on accounting, but it's easy to do because it's so, you know, you, you get the impression they don't give a flying, you know, whatever about you, whether you come back, whether you leave a bad review, whether you tell all your friends that you had a terrible experience, they, it seems like they could, they don't care. So for us to come in and say, we do care, that's important to us. We want our reputation to be good. We want our reviews to be solid. We want people to refer us. 
it, it was, you know, sort of groundbreaking in, in this space. And as a result, you know, we grew from me doing it out of my spare bedroom to me now having an office with 55 employees across the country and over a thousand clients. And, you know, the number one comment we hear is people really like working with us. And the thing is, it, it's not because they think that we're amazing at accounting, like they hope we are, and it turns out we are, but really they can't tell, right? They're coming to us because they don't know accounting, they need help with it. But what they like about us is we're very friendly, we're easy to work with. When they call us, we get back to them. When they have a question, we answer it. If it seems like they didn't understand the answer, we'll try and answer it a different way so that they can end the call feeling like, man, they really they really got what I was trying to, you know, what I was struggling with and what I was trying to figure out and they helped me through it. That's what clients remember. Not that, you know, I added up all their their numbers and got the right total, right? They, they're expecting that. But that customer service piece is really what makes us stand out. Well, let's talk about a, a young man. So you're go to, go to college, psych degree, hospitality industry. Where does the idea of getting to bookkeeping kind of come about? <laughs> it, it, was, it was definitely a journey, right? So working in the restaurant industry, um, I, I, I learned a lot managing people, managing, uh, you know, revenue and costs and so on, but I didn't like it. Right. I, I woke up every morning thinking this isn't what I want to do. I always wanted to be an entrepreneur, always wanted to have my own business. I just didn't know what I wanted to start. I didn't know what to do. So I thought, well, the next best thing I could do is I go back to school and get an MBA that at least gets me closer to business and San Diego state. We're both in San Diego here. Um, San Diego State had a great entrepreneurship track in their MBA program. So I figured I'll go to school, I'll connect with entrepreneurs, maybe I'll, you know, that'll spark an idea. So I went through that program, I learned a ton, I got out, I got hired into a company doing consulting, working with small businesses, which was cool. But that business was venture backed, it ran out of money, I got laid off. But uh, literally, like four months after I got hired, I got laid off. <laughs> and, uh, but I thought, you know what? I liked the consulting part. And there was still a lot of these guys running around out there that needed this help. So I thought, well, until I get another job, let me just see if I can be a consultant on my own. And so I got a client here and a, and a month later, I got another client. And pretty soon I had a little consulting business going and I thought, hey, maybe I don't have to get another job. Maybe I could just do this. And so for the next 10 years, I kind of worked with small business clients. And one of the recurring themes was that, hey, my books are messed up. Like I'd try to sit down with them and say, let's plan out what you know your future looks like or how you can improve profits or whatever. And they go, yeah, but like, I don't even know where I'm at because my books are all messed up or my bookkeeper's no good or I emailed them and they never get back to me. So it kind of sparked it. Like maybe that's an area where I could really focus because the problem with consulting is a lot of the jobs you know, you do it for two months or six months or whatever, but then at the end, it's kind of over. And now you're looking for your next client. Whereas with bookkeeping, once you get somebody signed up, they kind of need it forever. So you're building on a base and it keeps getting bigger. So in 2012, I kind of switched focus. I said, let me, let me focus on helping clients with their books. Cause I know there's a need. I know I can do it. And I think I can bring a lot to this game that other accounting firms and other bookkeepers just don't have. And so it was me in my spare bedroom looking for my very first bookkeeping client on Craigslist. And within six months, I had enough clients together that I could lease an office and hire my first employee because I never wanted to be just Matt's bookkeeping service, right? I always, I wanted to grow a business. I wanted to scale it. I wanted to have employees and staff and, and get it to be a 
good size. So as soon as I could, I rented an office and I hired my first employee. And then my job was just to go out and beat the bushes and find more clients, bring them in and then hand them off to people who were even better at bookkeeping than I was. Because to be honest, I'm only average, right? I'm I'm not a good in the detail, in the weeds kind of guy. I'm a more big picture, talk with clients, you know, bring them on board. That's my area of strength. So play to my strengths, go out, bring clients in, build the business, and then hand them off to a team of really smart people who are good at accounting, but who I have sort of indoctrinated to be not only good at accounting, but awesome at customer service. Because I won't get mad at you if you make a mistake as, you know, as an employee of mine doing the books, you can fix that. But I will get very mad at you if you blow off a client, you don't call somebody back who called you, you don't email them back in time, or you're rude to them in any way, right? That, you want to push my buttons? <laughs> That's how you do it. So that was really sort of the genesis of just for 10 years working with small business clients and over and over and over hearing, this is a problem area and there's no good solution and feeling like, man, maybe I found the place to step in and and solve a problem that I can, I feel like I can solve in a way that other people aren't. These are a tough, a uh, couple of things that I kind of want to jump into from there. So let's rewind a little bit consulting. I'm guessing if you went back for your MBA, what was like your mid twenties? Yep. Okay. So uh, you're in your mid twenties, being a consultant, trying to get business. How were you, you selling yourself for people to trust you? Cause I mean, that had to be kind of like a little bit tougher. I mean, not having, I guess, full experience. You did have some in the hospitality, yet maybe not as much as maybe others. So how were you selling yourself at that point to get yourself business? So the the time that I had spent in that short-lived consulting job, yeah. I was doing, I had a pretty intensive four months of learning how to do small business consulting. And this was specifically okay. around helping people sort of raise money for venture capital, do financial projections, write business plans. So once I got laid off, I stuck with what I'd learned there mm-hmm. and I kind of could talk the talk and I knew what clients were looking for. But I, I mean, absolutely. I, I, you know, people talk about feeling like they go out and, and, and try to sell a job, but inside they sort of feel like a fraud because like, I'm literally working out of a, at that point, a two bedroom, uh, you know, place in, in UTC. And I have these business cards I just got printed from Vista print. And literally that's all I have. Right. And I'm trying to say, oh yeah, you should definitely give me, you know, $5,000 on retainer to help you write this business plan to raise $10 million. I knew I could do it, but I felt like, man, if they just scratch the surface, they're going to see it's just a dude working out of an apartment, right? <laughs> Surfing on the weekends and and with no, you know, real pedigree, no 10 years of business experience or whatever. But people could see that I was sincere, that I was putting in the effort, that I knew what I was talking about. And even though I didn't have years of experience, I had enough connections and enough background to be able to deliver what I said. I mean, I think if you can deliver what you say you're going to, that's what counts, right? That counts more than, you know, guys come out of Harvard or Yale or whatever and all these, you know, fancy degrees. But if at the end of the day, they don't deliver, it doesn't really matter, right? So people go by what you can do for them. And of course, I had some referrals from my previous work. I could point to some clients in the past that I'd worked with who were happy with what I'd done. So, but yeah, I mean, absolutely. It's terrifying on the inside. You don't show it on the sales call, but on the inside, you're like, they're going to figure out I'm just this guy that I, I'm, you know, I'm not, I'm not really legit business. Well, you also had some, I mean, like you said, a system that you put into place. So you had a consistent system that you could have these businesses put in. So that probably, I would think helped, helped you out, I think in selling it. Yes. Um, so 
as you're kind of building a, I mean, for this business, you have kind of a system in place, you bring people in. Now the bookkeeping, how much training, I know you said there's, it's not that hard, I guess, to get into it, but how much training went into it when you first got into, into bookkeeping? So I had had, you know, accounting classes during the MBA program. Yeah. And then after that, I, I, you know, for the last 10 years before I started the bookkeeping, I'd been doing a lot of work creating financial projections, profit and loss sheets, balance sheets. So not exactly bookkeeping, but very yeah. accounting adjacent, right? Very similar yeah. kind of work. So I wasn't coming, it wasn't like I'd spent, you know, 10 years being a pro ball player. And then I decided yeah. to do accounting. I'd been doing related kind of work all the way along but i did go and take a refresher class for three months on bookkeeping so i could again make sure that when i was promising somebody hey i can clean up your bookkeeping and take care of it monthly i could deliver that i could feel good that i was going to be able to do it accurately and completely and nobody was going to come back and look at my work and go what is this clown doing mm -hmm. this is totally screwed up so i did go and, and take some refresher training um, but I, I wasn't coming to it cold. I had, you know, years of experience of being familiar with small businesses and small business financials and small business accounting from being close to it from the consulting side. How much synergy, uh, if any, was from the consulting to the bookkeeping? Was there a transition of bringing your clients from the consulting over the bookkeeping uh, or was it totally separate. I mean, what was that transition like? Yeah. No, it actually, it was a, it was a great background for me. And, yeah. and I think one of the shortfalls of a lot of accounting people, right? Cause a lot of accounting yeah. people are sort of like this, right? They're just yeah. about accounting. They don't consider the big picture of the business. Whereas I came in as somebody who looked at the big picture of a business and and my conversation with business owners, first of all, I mean, I, I literally talked to a thousand business owners before starting bookkeeping. So I was already very comfortable talking to business owners. And then a lot of my conversations would start out like, like some of my very first Craigslist ads, right? Like need help with your bookkeeping, somebody would call. And I would, I would say, so tell me a little bit about your business. And they'd say, oh, you know, I have a bike shop in Encinitas and I do this and that. And I'd say, oh, cool. So, you know, so how many bikes do you sell in a month and how does that work? And, you know, what's your margin on the bikes and how do, how many employees do you have? And, oh, I bet, you know, if you're telling me that you probably make about 750K and you're probably keeping 150K-ish and they go, wow, how'd you know that? I'm like, well, I've been around small business a lot, so I have a pretty good feel. So these are probably the challenges you're facing. And they go, wow, you know, it's like, you know, you get my business. And we'd have a 45 minute conversation. And at the very end, I go, oh yeah, you, you'd originally called me about some bookkeeping. Did you want to talk about that? And like, oh no, you're hired. I, I want you, you, you get my business. We never even talked about any of the details of their business or of their bookkeeping, but they could tell that I understand business. Whereas, you know, the typical bookkeeper will call up and go, well, how do you do your debits and credits? And, and what kind of journal entries are you doing? And the business owner's like, I don't know any of that stuff. Like, I, I don't, I don't know what you're talking about. You're talking a foreign language. I, I can't even, we don't, we don't relate. We're like oil and water. So for my 10 years of, of looking at business, big picture and consulting and talking to business owners, it made the transition super easy because I could talk to them about the things they cared about, which was the bigger picture of their business. They could see that I understood their business and we could talk, you know, business owner to business owner in language they understood. And at the end of it, I'd say, I'll do your books. And they go, great. Yeah, take care of it. I don't even want to know 
how you you know make the sausage. Just at the end of it, I want to see a PL and and then we can talk about that. So it was really good to have that big picture experience that most accounting people don't. And that's why so many accounting people have a hard time relating to business owners and connecting and doing those sales calls. Because one, they tend to be introverts. And two, they tend to be very focused on what they care about, which is the numbers, but they're not looking at what the business owner cares about. How early in the process did you go with the the flat rate idea? Was that because you said that it was kind of more of a, a unique kind of business proposition. So did you start with that mindset of having kind of a set pricing after you talked to them or where did that come about? Yeah, that was a day one idea. Um, I mean, I didn't invent it. There were a handful of other firms that were, you know, offering flat rate pricing for bookkeeping, but I, I would say 95% or more are doing the hourly model. And even today it's probably still 85% do the hourly model um, because they're scared to say, well, if I quote you an amount and then it takes me longer, I eat that. So I want to just say it's 85 bucks an hour or whatever. And then it, then I know I'll never get screwed because I'll always be able to bill you for however many hours it takes. But as the on the business owner side, it's always like, well, how do I know you're not just a slow typer? Right. And <laughs> it should take two hours, but you take three because you're taking too long or you're, you know, going to a level of detail that I don't really need or care about. I'd rather know up front. It's 300 bucks a month. OK, I know for 300 bucks a month, I know what I'm going to get. I'm good with that price. That's it. If, it, if you can do it in half an hour, I don't care if it takes you 10 hours. I don't care. I'm just going to pay 300 bucks. I'm going to get what I get. And that's a much more comfortable decision for a business owner to make than to say, okay, you're telling me 85 bucks an hour, but you can't tell me how many hours or put a cap on it or give me a range even. That's an uncomfortable decision to have to make. So I knew just from sales in general, right? You wanna reduce the friction for somebody to say yes, right? So if they have to worry about how many hours are you gonna charge me for, that's a friction point. It prevents them from just saying, yeah, let's do it. If I say, here's the price, and I'll live with it if you'll live with it. And they go, oh, yeah, all right, that sounds fine. Let's do it. Then I just know I have to get good at making sure the price I give them is going to work for me. And with practice and experience, I mean, you you screw it up a few times for sure. But with practice and experience, you get pretty good at looking at what somebody's got and saying, here's the price. And, you know, if they say yes, you know you're going to make money on it. Well, so did you have a, a coach? Did you have a network of people or no, network of bookkeepers that you balance ideas off of? Or where did you actually come up with the pricing uh, when you first started then? I kind of looked around at what the going rates were, you know, and again, most people were charging hourly. And so I would look at, um, you know, okay, if the average price in San Diego for bookkeeping from an independent bookkeeper was between 55 and 65 bucks an hour, and some people were charging more and some people were charging less, I kind of took that and then I'd say, okay, this to me, if I sat down and just did it, I think this would take me three hours. So I'm going to say three hours times 60 bucks an hour is 180 bucks. But to be on the safe side, maybe I rounded up, I call it 190 or 199, right? And then the client says, okay, 199, that sounds fine. And then if it did end up taking me four hours the first month, I figured I'd make it up the second month, I'd get a little faster and whatever. And I knew too, I could hire a bookkeeper as an employee 
for between 15 bucks an hour and 20 bucks an hour. So if I'm quoting as if it's going to take me three hours and I'm estimating at 60 bucks an hour, but I can hire somebody for 20 an hour, I know there's margin in there for me to cover the costs of insurance and marketing and rent and all the other stuff I've got going on. So it was really just a, my best guess of how long it was going to take times what I wanted as an hourly rate. And then I would use that as the fixed price. And most of the time we'd come in, right? Sometimes we'd get lucky and stuff would go faster than I thought. We'd have, you know, essentially a more profitable client than expected. Sometimes I'd be off the other way and it would, you know, we wouldn't make as much, but it averaged out pretty well. So did you, for the, when you brought on other bookkeepers at the beginning, were you bringing them on as freelancers or were you actually bringing them onto your staff? So from day one, I was hiring them as employees. Oh, wow. um, I wanted them to, you know, kind of be committed and know that, you know, if you're hiring somebody as a freelancer and you're, 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 cow again, you're sort of hedging your bets, right? I think I'll have enough work for you, but if I don't, it doesn't matter because I'm not committing to pay you unless I have the work. So mm -hmm. it's sort of an uncomfortable position for them. They've always got kind of one eye looking out for their next job or the op next opportunity, and they may split on you at any time, right? So you've hedged your bets, but you've also opened the door for them to leave. Or if they're a freelancer, a lot of times the freelancers go and like, well, now that I've worked with five of your clients, I'm going to send them an email and say, hey, you know, I know what this guy is charging you. I'd be willing to do it myself for less. And I'm already doing your books anyway. So I know, you know, kind of what I can what I could do it for. As an employee, you're putting a little more faith in uh, in them sticking around, you're kind of guaranteeing them a certain amount of hours and pay. So I'm taking on more risk, but I'm also buying more loyalty. And to me, that was important because I knew I was going to grow. I knew I'd be able to fill up their time. Their payroll would get paid before I took a dime home, but I was willing to do that because I felt like it was in the best interest of the business long-term. How did you know you were going to grow? Where was the faith coming from? The faith was coming from me internally saying, I've been self-employed already for 10 years. So I know one way or the other, I'm going to make this thing happen. I'm very much about setting goals and achieving goals. Um, you know, I climbed to the top of Mount Kilimanjaro back in the day. I rode my bike from Ocean Beach in San Diego to Jacksonville, Florida with a friend back in the day. I, I've, you know, set myself lots of goals. And even though sometimes in the middle of it, you're kind of deep in the suck. <laughs> persistence is what gets you through, right? You, you've got a goal and I don't care what hurdles you throw in my way, I'm going to get there. So I kind of went in at that point, just knowing, look, I'm going to make this work. I knew there were clients out there that needed this service. I knew my service was better than their other options. So it was really just a matter of, I just have to get in front of enough people, give them my pitch. A certain percentage are going to say yes. And Every week, I'm going to have a certain number of people I talk to. A certain number of people are going to say yes, and this thing's just going to grow over time. I just went in with no doubts. I, I knew enough about who I was talking to and what I was selling that I had the confidence that it was going to happen. How do you get yourself or how for through the suck, as you call it? How, how <laughs> like if, if, if you're having a difficult time, difficult situation, riding your bike, difficult situation there, whatever it might be, right? What's your process like getting yourself through that? It's really kind of just a mental decision to not quit. Um, that 
company I was telling you about where, you know, after my MBA, where I first got hired, my boss at that company was another San Diego guy, former Navy SEAL. And he was a mentor in the sense that I learned a lot from him about it's it's 90% mental. You just make the decision not to quit. You make the decision to push through. And then after that, there's no more noise in your head about all oh, this hurts or I don't want to do this or this is going to be hard. It, that, that door is closed. You just said, look, whatever it is, I'm going to push through. I'm going to get to the other side. At each step, once I hit that goal, I'm going to reevaluate. Maybe I set another goal. Maybe I decide I no longer want to be engaged in this particular activity. But that's after you've crossed the finish line. It's not in the middle where you're like, this hurts too much. This is this is too painful. I don't like this anymore. I'm going to quit now. Right. So once you set the goal, you know, you just that's it. You close the door on any possibility of giving up and you hit the goal. So you don't want to set a goal that's so, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to quit till I make $10 million. I'm not going to quit till I have 5,000 clients, right? That That's not reasonable. Things could change in that time. So set a goal that's reasonable to achieve, but then don't let yourself quit until you hit that. And so, you know, you keep pushing. So like with the bike ride, right from ocean beach, we'd started on the pier and then we ended up in Jacksonville with our bikes in the water in the Atlantic. My goal day one wasn't to get to Jacksonville, Florida. My goal day one was to get to Julian. And then my goal day two was to get to the Arizona border and so on. And you keep kind of saying the more it's going to suck, the shorter you want the goal to be. <laughs> right. Mm -hmm. So you don't, you don't have this giant amount of pain ahead of you you have a more reasonable amount that you can just say, look, I'm just going to get to here and then I'll worry about tomorrow, tomorrow. Um, but that's kind of it. You just make that mental decision to do it. That's interesting. I'm putting it, the, the, the more it's going to suck, the shorter the time frame you really want. I mean, it's, it's a smart way of putting it too. I think for anyone listening right now, I mean, there's a lot of things you probably could do if, uh, you know, shorter period of time, if you're saying, oh, I'm going to do this for uh, five days, whatever it is compared to, I'm going to do this for a couple of minutes. Uh, we all probably can do it. If we were talking, let's say in five years from now, Matt, where, where do you see yourself going? Where do you see your business going? So my goal is to kind of work myself out of a day-to-day -day job. And I've gotten a good part of the way there, right? In the in the early days, I did everything. I I was the bookkeeper. I was the sales guy. I did billing. You know, I I did everything, right? And then as I started bringing on employees, I started handing off things that I was doing. I wasn't doing the day to day bookkeeping anymore, but I was still doing everything else. And then at a certain point, you know, I I hired my first sales guy. I hired my first admin person. I hired my first. Uh, you know, billing person to take care of that. And so I've handed off more and more. And my goal is really to get to the point where I have a full-time day-to-day CEO who's not me, who mm -hmm. runs everything. And then I can step back and really just be focused on what things can we do to continue the growth, whether it's strategic partnerships or marketing, you know, programs or whatever. And that will be my role. But not as a full-time thing. I want to take time back and go climb some more mountains and do some more bike rides and, and enjoy life, right? Because the whole idea of work your ass off till you're 65 and then enjoy life is nuts, right? It it's mm -hmm. just doesn't, you because nobody's guaranteeing you even to 65, never mind after you retire, how much time you have left after that, right? My dad retired at 65 
at 69, he had a quadruple bypass and that was kind of the end for him. I mean, he mm-hmm. lived a lot longer after that, but could do very little. I don't want to, you know, follow in, in those footsteps. I want to make sure that I'm enjoying every day that I'm getting, you know, achieving goals and doing fun things and, and having a good time outside of just running the business. I love the business, but I, it, I'm not consumed by the business. And to me, an ideal place to be is where I can sit back and be sort of the strategic idea behind it. But the day-to-day stuff is all handled by other people. And I'm about a year from that. So for the next you know, five years out, I'll have had four years of being able to be the strategic vision behind the business and at the same time, you know, enjoy a lot of other things outside of running the business. Well, first off, congratulations. Secondly, <laughs> if someone's uh, listening right now and they're looking to um, bring some customer service to their bookkeeping <laughs> experience, what's the best way of them reaching out to you or reaching out to your team or, or finding out more information about you guys? Yeah. So, I mean, the best way to find out more about us is you can check us out online at capforge.com. Um, you know, that kind of tells you what we do, how our pricing works, all the services we offer. And then from there, you can either reach out. There's a you know, contact page, info at capforge.com, or there's a phone number. And I'm still, uh, don't get the wrong impression. I'm still very much involved. I'm here every day. I love to talk to new clients, or potential clients, and help them out. And sometimes, you know, they're not ready for service now, but I really enjoy just connecting with entrepreneurs, hearing their story. What business do you have? How did you get there? Where are you planning to go? To me, that's the most interesting part of my job is just hearing other people's entrepreneurial journeys. And then if we can be of service, you know, on the bookkeeping accounting side, great. If not, no problem. Or if it's down the road, you know, no problem. But I'm happy to talk to anybody. And if they need a little, you know, inspiration or kick in the pants for their entrepreneurial journey, I'm happy to give them that. Uh, or if they want some advice or mentorship, you know, I'm happy to have that conversation too. That's great. Any any, any last words, I guess, for maybe any entrepreneur out there, any kind of thoughts from, from your many years of consulting to bookkeeping, uh, any kind of words of wisdom you might want to throw out? Yeah, I mean, the number one thing I would say, and this is, again, this is not a unique thing for me. You hear a lot of people say it, but, you know, start now, right? If you really want to be an entrepreneur, you want to have your own business, start now. There's never going to be a perfect time. Don't wait till COVID calms down or the stock market hits a certain thing or what. Start now. It's not going to be perfect no matter when you wait till. So you might as well get started now. Make your mistakes along the way. But a year from now, you'll look back and you'll have a year's worth of experience. If you wait for a year, you're still at day one. You haven't you know, gotten anywhere. So it's something I wish I had started even sooner than I did. Um, you know, my whole life is a journey. I don't regret any part of it. I, I take something from all the different aspects. But in hindsight, I could have started what I would been what I'm doing now you know, 10 years before I did, or even more. So if you're thinking about starting a business or you're thinking about entrepreneurship, just start. Don't wait. <laughs> Makes sense. Well, thank you uh, for being here. Hopefully everyone listening got some great nuggets. Um, I mean, it seemed, I mean, especially with you willing to give up so much of your time to help out any entrepreneurs and your team to go out there. I mean, what anyone listening, what does it take away to give up five, 10, 15 minutes of your time to, to get an opinion, get some feedback, get some thoughts and, uh, and take the dive into entrepreneurship. 
Thank you guys. Please subscribe, please share, and of course. Thank you for listening to The Road to Growth, Success of an Entrepreneur. Please like, subscribe, and stay connected. Visit www.TheEnriquezGroup.com. Yeah, I created a website. Hope to see you again next week. The Enriquez Group, signing off.